I won't act like you can't see me because you can. Glad you guys are here. How is everybody? I'm going to try to roll over here. Welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. Uh, if this is your first time, um, we have a lot of college students from the Christian Challenge Ministry that are in the mountains today for their fall conference, and they usually sit right here, and we're creatures of habit, and so it's kind of like in our prayers to them, we're just keeping this, this area open. <laughs> and so uh, they're, they're at a weekend retreat, and if you can, if you think about it, just pray for them as they kind of wrap up. Uh, they usually do a, a fall conference every year, and it's really a good time to get together in their ministry and really have a time with students over the weekend and really talk about what does it take to grow and how to make the most out of the year. And so they're doing that. Our prayers are with them. They're going to be heading back uh, today. I want to give you an update, too, on my own health. And I actually had surgery this past uh, Wednesday to repair my ruptured Achilles. And it's been a journey the last five months of rupturing it. And then last Friday, I re-ruptured it and then met with the surgeon on Tuesday and decided that a surgery was the best way forward to really make sure uh, my tendon gets fixed. And so uh, the surgery went really well. Um, I am now on, the, again, the beginning stages of the healing process or the rehealing, however you want to say it. Uh, but God's been good and was able to get the surgery scheduled very early and was able to, everything went, went really well. And so appreciate the prayers and ask you to continue to pray as just it continues to heal and strengthen and um, all that, that starts over again. So just wanted to give you an update on that. Uh, today, we're continuing a message series that we started a few weeks ago uh, called Beginning Again. And the idea of Beginning Again is how do you experience fresh start, a fresh start in life? And what are the things that we can do to actually uh, experience change? And life has a way of, it can become a grind, it can become stale. Things that have always been seems like they will always be. Just like this merry-go-round that we can't get off on. Life can feel like that at times. So this series has really been looking at how the scripture provides hope for us that despite what we've done, and despite the experiences we've had, maybe bad decisions and maybe good decisions, uh, despite those things, we can still have a path uh, for moving forward. And so we kicked off the series talking about uh, how to change. And change can be something that can seem like a mirage if you've kind of beat your head up against the wall long enough with things that you wish you would do differently and you seem like you always do the same. Um, change seems like it can't really happen. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I'm still doing the same things I've always done. And life can be really frustrating. And so we kicked off the series talking about our relationship with Jesus Christ and the power that we get from that relationship allows change to happen from the big things to the very small things in life. And then we talked about how to experience a fresh start and beginning again in our past. And last week we talked about how we can begin again in our relationships and how we can actually restore trust that may be broken. So today we're talking about an area that impacts us all, like I think all the other areas have as well. And that's in the area of finances. And finances is one of those things that no matter where you are in life, there's just parts of it in the area of finance that that have caused problems for us. Cringe moments, regrets, frustrations, 
And the key is that you actually can't really deal with change in life and beginning again unless you talk about this really important area. Because finances impact really everything else. They kind of cut through our relationships. They cut through our planning. They cut through our future. They cut through our goals. And everywhere you go, you see that money and finances play, play a role. So today we're going to talk about how do you begin again uh, from that. So maybe you've had great finances your whole life and your parents maybe helped you plan. They helped you kind of have a clear picture of what it meant to handle finances in the right way. And you're just trying to figure out how do I continue to do that? Or maybe your finances have been in shambles or maybe, you know, we're all in different boats and there's just a part of it where it's it's just a high stress point. So wherever you are, I hope today can provide some some practical help. So we're going to be looking at a lot of a perspective in the scriptures. Here's here's the truth about the scriptures. In the area of finances, there is actually so much perspective in the scriptures that it would be like a, a master's degree level of financial management. Most people think the scriptures are general or maybe they're ancient. But when you actually look at the principles related to scripture, as well as all the other things related to life, it's actually very relevant even today. And so we're going to take a look at the different kind of areas that the scripture address and how to approach finances the right way. I don't know if you guys have ever watched the 30 for 30. Uh, it's like an ESPN special where they have like different clips on or different. Uh, it's like an hour long or 30 minutes on different areas of life where they had this one called broke. And it's a look. You'll see it there. It's a look at how. So many professional athletes, after they're done with their sport, become broke in such a small amount of time. And these are people that have made millions of dollars. And, you know, as I watch that, I'm like, there's no way that would happen to me. I mean, I think, like, if I made a million, somehow it would all work. But what you find is, is that these people who have made millions and millions and millions of dollars all find themselves in the same boat. And that is, they're in major financial distress. Here's a a quote that a study was done by Sports Illustrated this was built on. It says, within five years of retirement, an estimated 60% of former NBA players are broke. 60%. By the time they have been retired for two years, 78% of former NFL players have gone bankrupt or are under financial stress. This was something that's done in 2009. I don't think the figures are any better even in the years past that. The bottom line is, is if this can happen to people who make millions of dollars, this, this can happen to us. The distress, the having it all and then losing it, all these things are, are, are very real. But there's a question that this kind of brought to my mind. Where did all that money go? Like, where did that go? How does that happen? 60% and 78%. How does it come to the point where it's there And then it's gone. And you know what I realized? I think some of it, and a lot of it actually, is based on our perspective of money. Now, there's two scenarios I find myself in. The first one is, have you ever put on a pair of jeans or a pair of shorts and you've reached in the pocket and there's cash in there? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like the greatest feeling. Because it's kind of like it's just free money. I mean, hopefully it wasn't like to put in the savings account and you forgot like three months ago. 
But those times where it's like you get $5 and you just, you reach your pocket and you're like, oh, it's like a little gift. And you think like, how can I spend this? Like, where can I go out to eat? What kind of a drink can I get? You know, coffee drink can I get? And all, all sorts of things. But that's how kind of money is for me. Sometimes it's just like, it just appears. It's like, that was awesome. And you just kind of hope you got more pairs of pants in your drawer that that will happen with. Most of the time it doesn't. You have like gum wrappers and stuff, right? Second thing is, is also equally true. So when we get that surprise of money, it's like one of the greatest feelings ever. It's like free. Then there's the other thing of, where did my money go? You ever thought that? Like you had it, and then all of a sudden it's no longer there. And it got me thinking, money is sometimes like, we approach it like it's a dog. Like it has legs, and it runs off. Or like it's, it's a rebellious dog. It just has its own independent will. And no matter what you want to do with it, it's just going to go its own way. We have uh, two neighbors beside us that have dogs. And it's like the prime situation as a parent. Because our kids can play with the neighbor's dog. But the neighbor's dog don't ever come in our house. You know? It's kind of like when you babysit kids and you like love to babysit kids. And then you're like, here's your kid back. You know? Same thing. It's like, this is awesome. We have dogs on both sides that my kids can play with. They run around with. But when it comes down to it, it's like, hey, guys, all right, come back in. Make sure the dogs stay out there. Right? But they play with the dogs, and I'm watching my kids play with the dogs, and it's just hilarious because the dogs are just running, and they, they, love, they love our kids, and they're just running around. And part of what makes it so fun is the, kids are just, uh, the, the, the dogs are just doing whatever they want, and the kids are just trying to chase them and trying to predict where the dogs are going, and they can't predict it. They're going to run around the bush and then they're going to dart this way and they're going to dart that way. And my kids are just having this just fantastic time chasing them. It made me realize like this is kind of what money is like for us. It seems like it's this independent thing that they just go run off. And you try to have it on a leash, but it just escapes. And that got me thinking. Does money really have a will? Does it have a will of its own? Is it the kind of thing that I'm like, hey, stay, 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 money, stay. Is it going to stay? Or go, money, go, go. You know what's crazy about money? Despite the fact that I feel like it's independent and it's rebellious, and I'm always like, where did the money go? Like I would a dog that's run away. Do you know money goes exactly where I send it? It's the opposite of a dog. It's completely completely going to do exactly what it's told all the time. Even the best dogs have, you know, lapses in judgment. But money, money will always go where it's told to go. So that got me thinking, to really look at the beginning again in our finances, you can't deal with the money itself. You have to deal with the person who sends the money where it goes, right? And you know what that means? That means you have to deal with me. We have to deal with you. We have to deal with everyone who's going to have money in their hands because we're all sending it certain places. And so I want to really talk about how we're managers of money. And money is always going where it's told to go. It's completely obedient. So the problem isn't rebellion of money. The problem is where I send it. And so we need new perspective. We need to actually take a step back and ask ourselves, 
are the problems that we experience and the stresses that we experience related to money. It must be related to where I'm telling it to go. So how can we tell it to go different places? What I want you to do, I just want you to think really quickly, just in your mind. This will help you visualize kind of where you're at. What's the last stressful thing that you had related to money? Like when you think about it, it was something that stressed you out or it was frustrating you related to money. Think about that. What was that? Just think about it in your head. I'm not going to take a survey, but I imagine most of us weren't like, I have just so much money, it's stressful, I don't know what to do with it. Right? That's not the case with me. I don't think usually like, it's just, it's just in bags in my house under mattresses. Like, I just got to find a place to put it. Right? It's not the case usually for most of us. Most of the time it's, I need to send the money to numerous places and I have no more left to send. And we get stressed about that. Or there's some things that we really need and we can't buy it. Or there's some things that we really want and we can't buy it. Or there's some debt that we have and it just, we, it's just chasing us and we can't escape it. So here's the good news. Our financial future can look a lot better than our financial past. And that's the hope of doing things God's way. Even in the area of money is our financial future can look better than our financial past. If that weren't the case, then... We really don't have hope. And that's the point of this whole series. We have hope because of the help that God gives. And so I, I want to talk about that. It begins with some big perspective. Since we're sending the money, we need to actually change the way we think about where our money comes from. And so that's where it all starts. To reset financially, there's a few things that need to happen. And you can follow along on the screen here. There's also a handout. But to reset financially, we all have to acknowledge that my ability to make money is a gift from God. We all have to acknowledge that. My ability to make money is a gift from God. The reason that's so important is that if we don't see it as a gift, then it's really something that we're not concerned how we handle it because it's, it's mine. But when it's a gift, there's actually a different attitude you have. What usually happens if you've been given a gift that you really wanted and somebody got it for you? What's the reaction you have? Usually it's just out of just gratitude, appreciation. It just met this need that you had or took care of this want that you had. And there's just this feeling of that was just such a great gift. And we appreciate it. And what you find in life, the fact that God created us and he made us who he made us to be. He actually is directly involved in our ability to make money. And you find that in James chapter 1. It says this, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The beginning of the scripture is talking about the fact that can God cause us to sin? Is God to blame for our problems? Is God the reason that we're in the situation we're in? And it starts off by saying, like, don't be deceived. And the scripture is saying God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't lead us to evil 
Again, we're telling ourselves where to go. We make decisions and we do it. Then it transitions to this idea of don't be deceived. The good that you have, the gifts that you have, they come from God himself. They're gifts. He uses the description of the father of lights. This idea of he wants to give and he wants to give not just material things and the ability to make money, but he gives you actually a clarity. There's a light that comes into the darkness of things that we face and the stresses of things that we experience. And he cuts right through and there's no shadows. There's a sense in which when you actually want to do life God's way and you realize that things flow from his hand and we actually are indebted to God because of what he's done, the shadows are lifted, the confusion is lifted. Things become more clear. God is in control. God is the provider. There's no variation. He doesn't change. He comes through. He's predictable. He can be counted on. But it it really begins with this perspective. My ability to make money is a gift from God. So it's crucial. That changes everything else that we do. If we realize that God is on the front end involved in even the money that I have in my pocket, the money I have in my bank account, the money I have in my retirement, what that begs the question is, then does he have a say in what we do with it? And that's where it gets a little uncomfortable. Because most of the time it's like, thank you, God, for the gifts you've given me. And let me do whatever I want. What you find in Scripture, the reason this is so important is because if he is the giver of all the good and all the gifts that we've been given and the money that we have, what that means is then he actually has a say in what we do with it. And that's also really important because if we don't think things are from God and we don't think God has a say in it, then again, we're just going to be independent doing what we want, how we want. What you find in Scripture is there's a sense in which we actually need to be relieved from that. Because again, we make bad decisions. And we can't handle the stresses. Even if we've met every budget we've ever had, and we've saved exactly all that we've had, and we've had enough emergency for all the things that we didn't know, there's still a sense in which we can't handle all the pressure of our finances. We just can't. We still need help, no matter how skilled we are. So if God is the giver of the gifts, it means he has a say in how we handle it. So to reset financially, we have to begin with that. It comes from him. The second thing is we actually have to learn and follow God's guidance for wise money management. What that means is we actually think that God has perspective for us that can help us financially. Now, there's lots of great books that have been written, even some Christian books have been written. And there's lots of seminars that have been put together. And there's lots of plans. There's lots of templates. And there's all sorts of formulas. And there's all these kinds of things that we can adopt to get traction in our finances. And all those are good. But you can't skip over the fact that it's actually God who can guide us in effective money management. Because again, the scriptures were given to give us some principles. And so I want to walk through that. There's two parts. The first is, there's perspective that we need to adopt, and then there's planning that we need to live by. 
And that's true in most of life. You need perspective. You need to look at things differently. And then once you see it differently, you need to act differently. Does that make sense? Seeing differently causes us to act differently. Same in our finances. Once we have a different perspective and we see differently, that can cause us to send our money differently. Okay? And so I want to just walk through that. So practically, to do this, it means we need to adopt God's perspective. Now, I want to take a step back. Because we may be at a point where I'll admit, okay, you may be here and, okay, God's given me this. I can give him the credit for that. But I have a pretty good strategy. Or I have pretty good plans. But there's a key element in this. To really get traction in our finances and to begin again and to get momentum and to actually experience God's blessing. There's one key attitude we need. And that's humility. Humility is understanding that I actually don't have it all figured out. I need help. Bill Hybels, he's a pastor in Chicago. He said this. Humility is the highest value in effective money management. And I think he's right. It's the highest value. It's not accounting. It's not number crunching. It's not saving. It's not budgeting. The highest value is humility. Because without humility, we're actually not really willing to send our money anywhere different than when we already are. And if we're not really willing to change, then it's really difficult to get, to get the traction God wants to give us. So, humility is really the backdrop picture. The gateway to adopting God's perspective. And so adopting God's perspective. Here's a few things that you find in the scripture. And again, I'm going to be moving through this quickly. But you have some Proverbs there and some different scriptures. I encourage you, if you've never read those before, uh, make a star on those. And then look into the scriptures and read the verses before and after. And as you dig into the Proverbs specifically, these are some really wise points of view on life. And so you may just want to like star it and, and read it later. So adopting God's perspective. First thing is, he is the owner of everything I possess. This is connected to the idea of everything from his a gift. It's a little bit further though. Not only is it a gift from him, but there's actually an ownership difference. And that is God is the owner of everything. Psalms 24.1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. What it's basically saying is the earth is in the hands of God. And that means everything in the earth is in the hands of God. Every country, every city, every person. It's all in the hands of God. So he's the ultimate owner. So again, adopting his perspective is so important because it's all his. And if you own something, do you care how it goes? Yes. And since he created us, he really wants us to get this. He cares about how this impacts our life. Because God is involved. It flows from his hand. In fact, he is the owner of, of everything. Um, God owns all the silver and gold in the world. You see that in Haggai 
Uh, he owns all the land and all the earth. Every animal belongs to him. Everything he's created. So he needs, he's in a position where he has the right to say something. Because it's all, it's all his. It's all his. Uh, here's another important perspective. A good steward knows their exact financial condition. So part of adopting God's perspective is figure out where you are financially. And you know the condition of what that looks like. Proverbs 27, 23, and 24 says this. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? This is using the idea of a shepherd, right? Well, in the biblical day, the shepherd represented the money that somebody owned. Because that money or that sheep represented selling, which represented money in the shepherd's pocket. But it's an interesting thing because it's saying basically you have to know well the condition of your flocks. Now, I haven't hung around shepherds much, but I do know is a shepherd has to become intimately involved with the sheep to understand what's actually going on. They have to actually look at the sheep's face. They have to kind of pull back the fur, fur, wool, right? Wool, wool. They have to pull back the wool. They have to make sure that the sheep is healthy. You can't do that from a distance. You guys have to get in the sheep's face and check and make sure, yeah, the sheep's good. Or that sheep's bad, it needs to get some care. Know well. It's not distant. You've got to know the condition. Now, here's what's crazy about finances. I know this in my own life. If my finances are not going well, there's just a part of me that just, I don't want to know. It's true. You ever just kind of put card up to the ATM and you're just like, well, here goes. If it gives me a 20, I had money in there. If it doesn't, I didn't. You ever done that? You probably haven't. There's been a couple times where I wasn't sure I had a 20. I maybe had 17 and I thought maybe they round up. You know, round up day. The bank's looking out for me. But there's a part, it's like, you know, when there's trouble and it's stressful, it's like just this yarn that's just tangled up. When I see that, I just want to throw it away. Let's get a new piece. Your finances, you can't. It will go wherever you go. It's attached to your name and your social security. You can't run from that. You actually have to know. And once you know, you, you have to face the facts. Where, are, where am I? So God owns it. And even if it's messed up, I need to know it. Because only as you know what's messed up and how it's messed up, can you begin to reset. And so that, that's another important. And then here's the third thing. These are like big picture rocks, okay? The borrower is servant to the lender. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave to the lender. The context of this is actually talking about co-signing, okay? But it's the same idea. It has the same idea to debt. There's this sense in which you're, you're a slave. You're attached and it's not good. It's not a good relationship. It's burdensome. The reason I bring this up is this day and age, 
you can charge mostly anything. I was listening to talk radio, and you can actually get a loan out on your car to pay, you know, if you just need some help, you can kind of, on a car, which has like the worst depreciation of any item you can own. You buy a car, you drive it off the lot, and you lose $6,000. Pretty much like from, actually, I just made that up, but that sounds about right. You can Google it. Maybe not now, but. But it just depreciates just an enormous amount. But if we're at the point where we can still take a loan off of that, something that really loses its value, you can you can get money for anything you want. But unless we realize that debt causes some real problems for us, it's really hard to reset. Now, there's some debt that you just may have. House, school loans, other things, maybe a car payment. There may be situations where you have to You have to do it. But the perspective is still true. There's still a part in which the relationship is a relationship of goodwill. It's a relationship of cat and mouse. And do you know which one we are? We're the mouse. With a broken leg. Right? We're going to get caught. And that's what happens with debt. It catches up to us. It does. So those are three things. God is the owner of everything I possess. We actually have to know where we're at. We have to pay attention. We have to kind of know the condition of our finances. And then know that that debt, it it causes us to be enslaved. So these are big picture, big picture perspective. Kind of scriptures want to all get us on the same page. Okay. That perspective allows us to see things differently, which now allows us to act differently. And that's the second. How do we approach planning God's way? So what do we do? So I want to I walk through that. I'm going to give you a, a list. And this list is in an order. The thing about this order is I'm flowing from the way that the Bible says the right order should go. What I want you to think through is, is this the right order that most people have? When I say most people... Just if you, it doesn't have to be you, just a friend, somebody you know, right? Here's, here's perspective. This is how you approach planning. You give off the top. What you've been given, again, is a gift from God. So what's the first thing that you do in the scriptures? What's the first thing you do if you decide to, to follow Christ? You actually give back to him. So you give off the top. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your produce. First fruits. It's this idea of the first thing you get, you give it back. It's not the second fruits or the third fruits. It's the first fruits. You give it back. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. There's a promise here. It's a blessing. If you trust God enough that he is the owner of it and everything flows from his hand, if you trust that enough to actually give back to him off the top, you will experience blessing. Now, you don't do that to experience blessing. You do that because that's what we're commanded to do. And you do that because he's the owner. And you do that because every gift has flown from his hand. What you find is God is good. Again, he's the father of lights. 
There's no darkness in him. So he wants to bless. He wants to take care of us. And so it begins with that. You give, you give off the top. And by doing that, you're aligning your finances and you're telling them where to go in line with things that are important to God. Because when you give to the church and when you give to ministries that are expanding the kingdom of God, that's actually what's important. So giving off the top is, is crucial. The second thing, save for emergencies. Proverbs 22, 3. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Emergencies happen. Things that you just didn't know were going to take place, that's why they're called emergencies. And if you don't have money for emergencies, what do you usually have to do? Swipe it. That's what I like to say. You know, it's a little swipe. A little credit card. Just swipe it. But then I'm a slave. I'm in debt. So save for emergencies. That prevents us from being the slave to the lender. The next thing, get out of the debt trap. Proverbs 6, 5. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Sorry, the previous verse in Proverbs I said about cosigning. This is actually specific to cosigning. It's the idea of signing on to a loan with somebody. You now both can be trapped. But the, the same is true for debt. There's a sense in which you've got to get out of the trap. But again, to get out of the trap, a lot of times you have to switch the order, which includes giving to God, saving for emergencies, and then you, you begin to get out of the debt trap. You, you begin to pay it down. You have to pay it down. There's no reset button where you just press it and our debt just... Wouldn't that be amazing? Just... It's gone. Would that prevent us from getting in debt again? No. We just look for the button again. Reset. But it doesn't work like that. So you have to work to get, get out of it. And then save for the short and the long term. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. So, again, this is like using nature. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this. The Bible is saying, go to the ant. You ever gone to the ant? When was the last time, you know, you and the ant hung out? What do you notice about the ant? They are working, always, with like a Dorito, seven times the size of their body. And they're, they're taking it. They can eat the Dorito. It will weigh less. But the ant's thing, I plan. I got a plan. I don't know when I'm going to have food again. So I'm going to lift this thing. I'm going to take it to eat later. So go to the ant. Learn from it. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. See, they didn't have Doritos. That's why they said bread. It's the only reason. The idea is they're, they're thinking ahead. So you, you actually have to, you have to think safe. Uh, Dave Ramsey, he's a finance guru. He's somebody that has a lot of wisdom. And he studied the scriptures. He walks with God. He suggests saving three to six months for like emergencies. And then begin to invest like for retirement for the later years. So if you're to get laid off your job, do you have enough money for three to six months? I've done the math on that like numerous times. Like, Lord, you're good. I have two weeks. 
<laughs> you know, it's like three to six months sometimes for me. I'm like, huh? What? But, you know, you do what you can. You know, but, but it all begins. You have to approach this a certain way. You have to adopt God's perspective and you have to approach the planning. And now the last thing, live on the rest. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Live on the rest. Now here's what we usually do. We get paid and we decide what we're going to live on. We start spending. We just start sending our money. Entertainment. Clothes. I ran out of things to say. But other stuff. It's all sorts of stuff. We just send our money. We just live, live, live. Because we want to live. We want to enjoy life. We want to have fun. I think about all the things that I just want to spend my money on. So most of us, it's just native to us. We want to live first. Right? Doesn't it just sound like you've got to live your life? So in our money, we just we want to live. What tends to happen? We just send it. We 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 send it. And then we look at what we have left. Oh, no. Well, I'll put a little bit on the debt. And then, well, maybe I could save a little bit. Now, you know, that's good. And then we get to the point where then we look and like, can't give any to God. I've sent it everywhere. That's what tends to happen. God, the owner, who everything has flown through his hand, we rip him off the most. There's nothing left. What the scripture is saying, to reset, you have to actually flip it. And this is how you begin again. You can't go the same course you've always gone. You actually have to give to him first. And this may sound like one of those, yeah, but my situation. And I understand. I've had numerous situations where it's, I'm just trying to figure this out. And it's stressful. And it can be overwhelming. And, you know, maybe I, I've kind of focused on it for a couple weeks, but it's like, once you focus on it for a couple weeks, it's like, well, then I don't want to focus on it again for a couple months. But what you find is your money's being sent. It's always being sent. This is the kind of thing you have to stay on top of. You have to ask God's help every day. God, since this is from you and this is a gift, help me to send it to the right places. And we need the help of God to do that. There's some resources on the back of your handout that you can read more on. This is one of those messages where Everybody's situation and experience and things they're dealing with is different. But here's some resources that you could see um, on the bottom of your handout that if you've never read these and you just like some more perspective, I encourage you to check those out. If you'd like to talk to somebody, you're just stuck in a financial hole and you need help, you can write that on the connection card. If you'd like us to pray for you, for your financial situation, let us know. Put a prayer request on there. We want to help you. This is not one of those things that overnight it's solved. It's not. Beginning again, it's never instant. Because everywhere we've told our money to go, there's strings attached, right? 
And now they become all tangled. It's going to take time to untangle the web. But with God's help, and as you begin to do this, and you take a step of faith wherever you are, you can begin to change. And so I want to encourage you, do not lose hope, no matter your situation. Are there some next steps on your connection card that we usually walk through every week? These are just ways that you can apply what you've heard to your daily life. And so you can look on the back of that connection card that John had you fill out. Uh, Finish filling that out and you can mark. uh, There's three steps. You can go ahead and look at those. Uh, Feel free to to take one of those steps today. And I'd love to pray with you as as you do that. Uh, We're going to be receiving the offering. I'm going to pray. And so if the band can come up, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to receive our offering and really give back to God. um, Out of what he's given to us. Uh, Before I close, I just also wanted to mention just how much. Here at Church in the Valley, we're blessed by the generosity of the people who, who give. And we're able to function because people are taking God at his word and deciding to give, give it back to him. And this is enabling us as a church to help reach people as well. And so I just wanted to thank you uh, for how uh, you guys are doing that as well. So let's pray together. God, thank you for the fact that we have hope despite decisions that we've made and despite frustrations that we have, even in our finances, it it impacts us in real ways. God, thank you that we can change, that we can undo some of the tangled mess that we find ourselves in. And I pray, God, for endurance, for strength, and I pray against discouragement. God, give us victory and small victories in seeing just how we can become free from some of the bondage that we can find ourselves in financially. And so I pray, God, against the enemy who wants to discourage and come against us. And we pray for financial freedom. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.